Well, grace and peace to you this morning in the, Lord, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us today. What a wonderful and, and beautiful Easter day it is. I um, want to say a couple things before we begin with our lesson from the Gospel of John. John chapter 20 is where we'll be looking this morning. We have a, a person who watches regularly um, from Oklahoma, and she made some bears. She did this last year, but she made, I think, about 20 of these bears to send to our kids. And so they're in the back of the, the foyer. And if you have little ones today, make sure that they pick one of these up um, before they leave. What, what a great blessing that is. And it's just a great example of how you know something small, even when you're uh, miles and miles away, you can do to brighten someone's day. Well, Bobby read the passage that I want to look at today. This passage at the end of the Gospel of John where you go to the empty tomb. Mary shows up first and Jesus is not there. And later on she encounters Jesus, but she does not recognize him. And as we're at the end of the Gospel of John, we've been looking at the Gospel of John for many weeks now. We encounter some themes here that we see throughout the entire gospel. And the one that that probably likely stands out to most of us is the fact that Mary does not recognize Jesus. We notice this because it is unusual. It, It seems strange that this person who was close to Jesus, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, she does not automatically recognize him when she sees him. And so it's, it's, this is weird, but there is a very good explanation for it. Mary was not expecting Jesus to come back from the dead. People in the ancient world understood that this was not something that happened. People who die stay dead. And, and so Mary's brain did not recognize Jesus because her brain knew that just a few days earlier, Jesus had been crucified on a cross, and a person does not come back from that. And so even though Mary has this good excuse for not seeing Jesus, we need to recognize that this is a theme that that appears in the Gospel of John over and over again. People struggle with their sight. Jesus encounters multiple men who are blind, and he heals them. Jesus encounters others who can see, but they cannot recognize who he is. And so seeing and hearing is a problem throughout the ministry of Jesus. And it's not just a problem for the Pharisees or the scribes. It's a problem for everyone. There are even times when Jesus' own disciples do not comprehend what he is saying and they do not fully grasp what his mission is about. And so this problem of seeing and hearing is a human one. We are good at missing the point. We are easily deceived by others. We think that we know best when we really don't. And what we need to do is to humble ourselves so that we can see Jesus clearly and hear what he has to say to us. Mary recognizes 
who Jesus is when he says her name. And Jesus wants the same for us, but but we fill our lives with noise and we fill our lives with busy schedules and we then complain that, that we never hear from God. Well, maybe God is trying to reach us, but we do not know how to slow down enough to recognize the many ways that he's working in our lives. Maybe God is attempting to speak to us in various ways, but but we're too busy listening to other voices that, that we miss what God has to say. And maybe the problem is not with God, but with us. And maybe God is at work all around us, but we can't see or hear. It's more likely this is the case than unlikely because this is what we see happen over and over again throughout the Gospel of John. The other theme that shows up in this text is the question that Jesus asked in John 20 and verse 15. Who are you looking for? And this is, I bring this up because this is very similar to the very first words that Jesus utters in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 38. What are you looking for? And so the key to being able to see and hear greatly depends on what it is we're looking for. Because you know what? We hear what we want to hear. And we see what we want to see. And two people can hear the same message or two people can see the same event and walk away with two completely different perspectives. And it happens all the time. It happens every day because what we are seeking greatly influences what it is we see and hear. And we need to ask ourselves, what does the Gospel of John why does this gospel open with this question and end with this question? And these questions are almost the same. It's because what we seek in life is of utmost importance. And what we're seeking in life is going to influence what we see and what we hear. And it's going to determine the trajectory of our life. And we are going to become like whatever it is we are seeking. We will look like whatever has captured our hearts. And so this is a question that we need to contemplate regularly. What is it that I'm seeking? What am I seeking today? What am I seeking when I go to work? What am I seeking with my friends? What am I seeking with my time? What am I seeking here this morning? And if we claim to be a Christian, then there's only one answer, and it should be Jesus. Because if we're seeking anything other than Jesus, then we're going to be off the path that we need to be on. And we're going to miss what it is we need to see, and we're not going to hear what it is we need to hear. And all of this... Is, is essential to our topic this morning. We're discussing the empty tomb. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And, and this is an event, as Bobby rightly stated, forever altered the, the history of humanity. But it's also an event where there is stark disagreement. And, and I want to talk a, a little bit about that. I, I, wanna, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I wanna, cons, want us to consider for a moment how we know things. Did you know that that how we know whether something is historically accurate or factual 
is different than how we know uh, something is scientifically accurate or factual. And so for science, what you do is you do some tests in a laboratory. And you do that over and over again, and then eventually you come to a conclusion, you publish your work. And when, when other scientists um, read that work and they're able to replicate that work, then it becomes true. But, but think about this, you cannot do this with history. There is no test that, that we can perform in a lab to determine whether George Washington was an actual person or not whether he lived or not. And so historians use a different set of evidence. And the primary source of evidence for historians is witnesses. And this is all amazing when we consider passages like 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, where it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Why does he say that? You can go and ask them. You can go and check with them. They're still living. He says, some of them have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Now, when one considers the resurrection, one has to consider that every follower of Jesus believed that he was dead. How do we know this? We know it because they went back to their old occupations. We know it because they, they, they went home. They thought the movement was over. And so we have to ask ourselves, as reasonable and rational people, what changed their minds? And I would suggest to you that the resurrection is the only reasonable and rational answer. Think about this. Many followers of Jesus were put to death by the Roman government. They were fed to wild animals. They were burned alive. They were crucified on crosses. And they could have avoided all of that. They could have avoided death if they simply denied Jesus. But they didn't. Why? Because they believed the resurrection. Now, some historians and, and others treat the resurrection unfairly, I believe. Why do I say that? Well, there is more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than there is for the existence of certain people from ancient times, people like Homer, people like Julius Caesar. And yet, people still do not believe. Why is this the case? Well, I think it goes back to that question that Jesus asked, a question he asked at the beginning of the gospel and at the end of the gospel. It depends on what one is seeking. And there are many modern people that do not want to even entertain the idea that a man was raised from the dead. And so they rule out the option without ever considering the evidence. Now, pre-modern people 
people in Jesus' times, they were just as leery of the idea that someone could be raised from the dead. We, we see this in John 20 when Mary does not recognize Jesus. We see it later in John 20, a passage we didn't read, when Thomas demands evidence. The difference is that these pre-modern people did not rule out the possibility that, that something like this could happen. They understand it doesn't happen, but they didn't rule out the possibility. And many of them believed the witnesses. And they believed that the resurrection was the most rational answer for what happened with the disciples and with the other followers. The resurrection was the catalyst for the explosion of Christianity within the first few centuries of the death of Jesus. And so the resurrection did not just influence Christians. It also influenced the places where Christianity was found. There, there are many things that, that we just take for granted in society now, but, but a lot of these things have their roots in Christianity. I'll just give you one this morning, and then we'll talk a, about a couple that have to do with resurrection. The idea of equality that, that everybody talks about now, it begins with Christianity. Why? Because Christianity teaches that every individual is created in the image of God. That is not how ancient people thought. They believed that everyone was of a different value, dependent on age, gender, uh, place in society, and, and many other factors. It was Christianity that first began to challenge this way of thinking. And the resurrection challenges two ways that the world thought. The first has to do with the stories that we tell. And, and so in ancient times... There, there were primarily two categories of stories. There were tragedies. And so these were stories with a, a tragic or a sad ending. And then there were comedies. But, but they're not the same as our comedies. They, they, they weren't um, stories that made you laugh. A comedy in ancient times was, was a story with a happy ending. And guess what kind of stories were prevalent before the resurrection? Tragedies. People told tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And the number of sad stories greatly outnumbered the number of happy stories. And, and the reason for this is this is how people saw the world. There was not much hope. But the resurrection begins to, to shift this, begins to change this. And so comedies or stories with hopeful endings begin to take over and become prevalent after the resurrection. And so the, the resurrection changed how people looked at the world. It changed the stories that people tell. The other way the resurrection changed the way the world thinks relates to society. In fact, Tim Keller describes it very well in his book, Hope in Times of Fear. He says the American belief has long been that each generation will have a better life economically, technolog technologically, socially, personally than the previous one. But this idea of linear historical progress did not exist in most other cultures. All ancient cultures, Chinese, Babylonian, Hindu, Greek, and Roman, had different views 
Some saw history as cyclical, and others saw history as a slow decline from past golden ages. And so Keller says that before the resurrection, societies mainly thought in two ways. Some thought that everything was just getting worse. It was a state of continual decline. Others thought that the the world kind of ran in cycles. And so it was just this continual up and down, up and down, up and down. But after the resurrection, more and more societies began to believe in this idea of progress. They believed that things were getting better. Now we live in a time where, where, where people have forgotten where this idea came from. They have divorced progress from Christian belief and the resurrection. They just believe in progress and nothing else. But sadly, we also live in a time when many Christians have forgotten the power of resurrection. When early Christians lived under a pagan government and continually faced the threat of persecution, what they did was not complain about it or gripe and moan about it, that they clung to their belief in resurrection. And it gave them hope, and they set their eyes on Jesus, and they uh, didn't focus on, on all these other bad things that were happening around them. In fact, this, was the, this is the exact scenario that um, is at the background of 1 Peter. When, when Peter writes this letter, Nero is the emperor. He's persecuting and killing Christians. People are being harassed. They're losing their jobs and their incomes. They're being put to death. And it was in these circumstances that Peter writes these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The resurrection of Jesus is more than just a historical event that happened a long time ago. It is more than a moment that changed societies and changed the stories that we tell. It is a reality that continues to change lives today. And Peter describes it here. He says what it is, it's a living hope. And when we die to ourselves, God raises us to be a new creation. And we reenact this in baptism. Each baptism is a death, burial, and resurrection. Paul describes it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I died in the waters of baptism, and now it's Christ who lives in me. The resurrection means we are a people who are alive. We have a living hope within us that that cannot be taken away by whatever it is that's happening around us. Christ lives in us, and he can transform the world just as he has transformed us. And all of this is truth. It is biblical fact. The only question is whether we believe it or not. 
the early church did. They clung to their belief in the resurrection as they were being beaten and mistreated. They clung to their belief in the resurrection as they were being marched into the arena to be put to death. They had a living hope that impressed the pagans so much that that the pagans could not help but ask the Christians about it. They experienced the power of resurrection in their lives. And because of this, the world in which they lived, an awful pagan world full of all kinds of deplorable things, became better. And Rome eventually fell. But the faith of those Christians continued to shape society. And I think our problem is that the story has become too familiar. And resurrection is just this one thing that that we might think about once a year, or if we're lucky, maybe a few times a year. And and we get it, we we, kind of understand how the resurrection forever changed the world back then, but we're unsure if it can ever happen again. And I would suggest that we need to hear the words of Peter afresh. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been given a living hope. Do we believe it? Do we believe that if we trust in God and follow Jesus, this world can be changed again today. I hope so, because that is the power of resurrection. And nothing is hopeless. No situation, nothing is hopeless for those who believe. There is hope as Jesus is on the cross. There is hope as Jesus is in the grave. And even when all hope seems lost, there is hope because we know the power of resurrection. And what the world needs is not another scolding or another opinion piece or another political pundit pretending that he or she has the answers. The world needs a people who believe in the power of resurrection. And the world needs to be wowed again by a people with a living hope. And the world needs Christians to actually believe what it is we profess each and every Sunday. Now what you've heard today is not anything new. I'm not telling you anything that you've never heard before. The story of the resurrection does not change. What needs to change is our hearts and our minds. And we need to embrace the blessings that that God has richly bestowed upon us. We need to wake up each and every day and say along with Paul, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. The world was changed 2,000 years ago by an empty tomb and a risen Savior.
It was changed by a group of nobodies who believed this reality and who lived it out in their lives. And I would suggest to you this morning that the resurrection is still as powerful and still as life-altering as it was in the early church. It can change lives. It can change societies. It can transform the world as we know it. And all it takes is a people who believe. And so what about you? Do you believe? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you on this Easter morning and we thank you for what you did long ago. We thank you for Jesus who took on flesh and lived on this earth and who taught us and who healed people and who showed us how to live, who showed us what it means to be a human being. We're so grateful for his willingness to go to a cross and to die on our behalf. And we're especially thankful for the resurrection that overcame death. We're grateful for the power of resurrection, which we still have today. I pray that we would meditate on it, that we would welcome the blessings that you've already given us, and that we would live as resurrected people who have a living hope. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you please stand and receive this blessing from the book of Numbers? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever.